Hi everyone, I'm Pete Portal and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Unsuccessful Podcast. This episode's a little different from what other episodes will be like because this episode's part of a series with three of my close friends where we explore what true success looks like. So let's get into it. Everyone wants to be successful, but what does that even mean? The world offers us its answer. Success equals money, power, and influence. But Jesus defines success differently. In fact, Jesus' version of success is in a lot of ways the opposite of the world's. Achieving it might make us appear unsuccessful. Yet, as we'll see over the next few sessions, that might counterintuitively be exactly what we should be aiming for. Today, let's talk about how following God's calling might look to others like wasting your life, even though, as we'll see in the examples of Jeremiah and Jesus, it's the ultimate path to success. In Jeremiah 1 verse 5, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That's the kind of prophetic word many of us would love. Affirmation that we've been set apart by God to travel the world and give people dramatic words of destiny. Yet, despite this incredible proclamation from God, Jeremiah experienced feelings of inadequacy that may be familiar to many of us. It probably didn't help that the only guarantees God gave him were that number one, he'd be strongly and maybe even violently opposed, but number two, God would be with him. If you only had those two guarantees, would you follow God's calling? What if God calls you, as he did with Jeremiah, to do something that won't earn you the world's acclaim? There's a brilliant German word that sums up the struggle with self-worth that many of us experience. The word is Geltungbedürfnis, and it means the need to be recognized as valuable and worthwhile in the eyes of others. Being praised for spending your life doing something others admire feels good. But Jesus never promised us worldly success and human acclaim. Following God's calling comes with a cost. It might not lead to an increase in our popularity, and in fact, it might look unsuccessful to others. If we've spent years gaining qualifications and expertise, it seems logical that this is what God would want us to spend our life doing. But God reserves the right to waste any of your worldly accolades and qualifications, however hard you worked for them and however proud of them you may be. It's not that God's deliberately difficult, it's just that while he doesn't always call the qualified, he does qualify the called. And the measure of success he sets for us is our willingness to follow his call, even when it contradicts the world's view of success. By that standard, Jeremiah was successful. He wasn't just obedient, he was obedient for the long haul. Jeremiah's prophetic ministry spanned roughly four decades and wasn't remotely glamorous. But he didn't move on or give up when things became less exciting or when he heard of a new move of God somewhere else or when he was misunderstood or, or didn't see any visible fruit. He didn't shrink back and he didn't dilute his message. And his reward for faithfully sticking to God's calling is the same reward we are promised, a deeper sense of God's presence. 
At the end of Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, I'm with you and I'll rescue you, declares the Lord. What if that is the only thing that truly matters? Over the last few years, we've got used to rating each other, whether it's Airbnb, Uber, or any app offering a service. We can pretty much make or break people based on a numerical score. Jesus chose just 12 men to disciple who let him down, denied, and abandoned him. If he was judged by his death on the cross and that billions of people continue to reject him, how did he do? One star? But if we look at Jesus through the only metric that matters, obedience to God's call, the facts tell a different story. He yielded to the Father's will. The resulting response from humanity is in a way irrelevant. Jesus paid the highest price to bring forth potential for new life. Then he rose from the dead, left the disciples with the Holy Spirit and Pentecost comes. His followers preach fearlessly. They heal the sick. They cultivate subversive community, pioneer the redistribution of wealth and racial reconciliation, pray till walls shook and carry a movement that changed the world. Five stars? We need to reframe the question of calling. Success is less about what you do and more about who you're becoming. Less about numerical results and more about your obedience to God. St. Augustine said, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. What if your unique contribution to the world is not your talent or your training or your temperament? What if your unique contribution to the world the most successful thing you could ever do is first and foremost, paying attention to what God's calling for your life might be and then yielding to his voice. So this is chapter one. We're looking at God's calling versus good ideas. And so you guys, I'm interested to know what you think the culture around us is telling us about what constitutes success. What makes a successful person? Uh, what are we being told uh, by marketing and media around sort of uh, successful people to aspire to be? Nowadays, social media has a major play in that as well. So you, you've constantly bombarded with images of people living their best lives and the places to go and the people to be with and where you should be seen. Say, so for instance, um, there's a mother with three small children <laughs> and they are rocking it because the socials say like, oh, I went on a hike with my three kids and you're like, I can't even get out of bed with my one child. And then it's like, and she must be so, so awesome. Yeah, you've got this sort of Instagram versus reality stuff, haven't you? So then when we think about success and what we're kind of being fed the whole time of what constitutes success, how can that relate to the church, to calling, to us trying to kind of live our best life and at the same time follow God, where obviously his calling is actually our best life. I've got an example, like a personal example, like when I finish school, you are kind of expected to go and work, to bring in money and stuff. And 
that was not my jam. So I've been doing voluntary work, working in the community and stuff. And I was seen as not successful because I did not go and do what was expected of me. I remember being a single mom with two kids. And the expectation was, you need to go and get a job and go in like and see to it that your kids are sorted and all of that. But at that moment, I was kind of like doing church work. <laughs> and they like, no, that doesn't bring in any money. Like, and what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, girl? <laughs> get a job, get something. But I wasn't doing a job job. I was working for the church and it was seen as being the worst thing that you could do for the time that you are, that you are in, in that moment. So I was not successful at all. <laughs> Thanks so often following what you feel called to you means a lot of sacrifice. So it's, it's a lot of giving things up instead of getting. That's a major difference between the perception of success and you know, following calling and, and trying to be able to live out a life that you feel is congruent with who you are and your belief system and your worldview and being able to be genuinely who you are and genuinely who you are created to be. You spoke about sacrifice there. I was, I was thinking that um, there's, I think even in the culture around us, there's a lot of kind of working hard, sacrificing a lot, but it comes with um, an expectation for greatness once you've done that, right. expectation for great returns that should relate to how much money I make or how famous I am. Whereas um, the sacrifice that goes with calling does not necessarily guarantee us great returns. Um, right. I guess in the Jeremiah um, story or Jeremiah situation where there's so much that was gonna, so much opposition, so much sacrifice with no guarantee of, um, of being this great prophet or being this great warrior. Uh, whereas the world tends to have an automatic expectation. You put in the hours, you put in the work, you're gonna get great returns. So, so Synth, when you're saying you're a single mom, you had two kids, you had the noise of probably family and friends in your ears saying, get a job, you know, provide for your kids, do this, show us that you're successful. How did you deal with that noise coming from everyone telling you what you should be doing? I had two kids outside of marriage and you're living with your mom, you're unemployed, like, and what are you doing with your life? But I was doing God's work for lack of a better word. Like, and I was doing youth groups with, with um, a group of ours, and we were seeing God move, and I was like, I'm not gonna give this up. It, it was my first um, encounter, actually, with the Holy Spirit, where I was just blown over by the spirit of joy. And that was like, what is this? But I was like, an, I want more of that. So that was kind of the thing that I was holding on to during those difficult times when <laughs> I was being pushed to go out and get a job. And I'm like, but this is where God is. I don't want to move. And I think that's it, isn't it? Like, I think so often the idea of like raising kids faithfully and discipling them like is, is not seen as successful. It's kind of seen yeah. as just sort of on the side, you know? Um, and yeah, it's a massive, massive part, you know. Or oh, what's of interest to me is how did you make that decision to basically go against the stream? Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, it was falling in love with God. 
um, because I didn't grow up in a traditional church family. Um, it was old apostolics, they, it's, you go to church on a Sunday and that's it. But I've learned how to have a relationship with God and I found this new thing of how to learn, how to read scripture that was like an, ah, give me more, give me more. So it was this thing of give me more, this um, intimacy that I've never had before that I found. And the people that I, I mentioned was the support group that I had, was the youth group that I was involved with at that moment. And we were just sitting day in, day out, <laughs> um, reading Bible, worshiping and all of that. And that was what, what actually kept me anchored during the times when there was pushback. That's a big one, isn't it? When we think about calling. And, and you know, I wonder how Jeremiah did it because he didn't have a home group as far as we're told. <laughs> um, or, you know, people around him to support him. Like, like, because part of what I've been thinking about is that it's, it's not just what, what we're looking at, you know, but it's what we're looking with, where we're looking from, who we're looking with. And um, who are the people speaking into our lives, encouraging us, holding up our arms when we're exhausted, um, reminding us of a prophetic word maybe, or um, reminding us of who we are or how God made us? Because I think that's so pivotal, isn't it, in holding our nerve when actually we're doing all the, the right things. We're, 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 we're pretty convinced we're um, up to what God's asked us to do, and yet doesn't seem like things are falling into place. You know, I think we assume, like you're saying, like if we do the right things, then God will bless us with this and this. And yet calling doesn't always look like that. So calling can look different for all of us, but the key is just knowing that we're being faithful to what God's asked us to do. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much that there's grace. There's grace for us to pursue things that we're passionate about and that we sense you have got for us. Uh, I pray for each of us, Lord, and um, that you would just reveal more of yourself to us in the noise of pressure from the world, that we would hear your still small voice encouraging us and reminding us of who we are, made in your image. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Unsuccessful Podcast. If you want more, I dig into this topic in depth in my latest book, How to Be Unsuccessful. And if you found this conversation helpful or interesting, I'd love to know. Why don't you leave me a review? Or if you'd like to walk a closer journey with me and receive resources to help you navigate life as a follower of Jesus, sign up to receive my mailer at PetePortal.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the Unsuccessful Podcast to catch the next episode. Until next time.